Hello, friend, and welcome to the Chronically Well podcast. I'm Callie Dixon, your host, and today I'm interviewing Jolene Jensen. Jolene is a marriage and family therapist in California. In addition, she was one of my very first coaching clients. And as we went through coaching, I knew that I was going to ask Jolene to be on the podcast. This is why. Jolene has interstitial cystitis. This is the same disease that I have, but I don't talk about all that often on the podcast, and I thought it would be really great to have someone else other than just me discuss what interstitial cystitis is all about. We also have some similarities in the fact that we both come from a mental health background, but had absolutely no idea how to apply that to ourselves in our chronic illness at first. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about her history as a counselor on a suicide prevention hotline and how she was once on the side helping and eventually she found herself on the other side having the thoughts that she helped so many people out of. So we do, we talk about suicide today uh, and chronic illness and interstitial cystitis and I'm just so thrilled that all of you get to meet my friend Jolene. Hello everyone and welcome to the Chronically Well podcast. I am Callie and I am so excited to be here today with Jolene Jensen. Jolene is a marriage and family therapist and we are going to talk about the importance of mental health, mental wellness, emotional wellness when having a chronic illness. And it just so happens that Jolene happened to be my first coaching client. And throughout our time talking, we would continually start discussing how we really feel like there's not a whole lot of support for people with chronic illness. All right. Well, Jolene, I am interviewing you for lots of reasons. Um, but actually one of them being that you also have interstitial cystitis. But before we go there, I'd really like for you to kind of share more about you than simply your illness. So fill everybody in. Where do you live? Who are your people? What do you do? I kind of already I slipped a little bit of what you do already. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Thank you for that introduction. It's just really beautiful. Um, yeah, so I live in um, Santa Cruz, California, which is um, a small beach town. It's like about an hour and a half away from San Francisco, south. And yeah, I love it. I consider my home base, though, to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, it's where I grew up. It's kind of the desert. And, you know, uh, if you're ever passed through, it's like beautiful sunsets. I love the green chili. I miss a lot of it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you appreciate the things when you leave, but I um, wanted to explore a new place. You know, I was just in a point in my life where I could, um, I've been there for 30 years. And so, yeah, I've been in California for several and it's been really cool. I've met a lot of people and, you know, I have like the beach and the redwoods around. So mm-hmm. I'm lucky. You are lucky. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Love that right now. Yeah. I- just like teleport <laughs> the seasons too. That's also really cool. Please. Yeah. I will switch you. Of- we can play a little bit of the holiday. If you didn't ever see that movie. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You can come to my snow covered home in Rockford and I'll come to California. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about that, right? If we just do this house swapping thing. Yeah. I'm more than willing. Anyone listening, if you ever want to yeah. come stay in the snow and I can come to your warm abode. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny because people think of central California as being really warm mm-hmm. and it is, but mm-hmm. there's times where it actually gets pretty cold. Like oh, does I would it? go to San Francisco in the middle of the winter oh, and be wearing yeah. like a jacket and a scarf. Yeah. yeah. I have been to San Francisco and it was in June and we weren't warned that there's like a windy time or something in June where it gets freezing. Yeah. And I was praying. I didn't even have a coat. It was so cold. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's Mark Twain who said the coldest winter or the coldest summers are in San Francisco. So like weird. Where he wrote everything. You wouldn't think in California. No. Nope. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So you're anyway. in California. Yeah. Who are your people? Yeah. So um, 
oh my goodness, my peeps, I guess, I mean, my wife, right. That Mm -hmm. we've been together for several years and actually met and did our date in San Francisco and the whole thing just kept going with it. Um, yeah, love her. And then I have my animals. I consider my family. So my dog who's kind of turned into my like emotional support animal and she came into the role so well. (laughs) She was like a puppy when I got her. So she had a good year of fun there. But so I have her and I have my cat Saki. And then I have my family and friends who are still sort of in New Mexico. And I actually have a lot of friends that are just sort of scattered around yeah. So that's why, like, we have to, like, you know, visit something. Yeah. So it's kind of cool because I can go somewhere and I can visit people. And yeah, I have a really good friend in Canada. And um, that's awesome. And I have some close friends that I have met here as well. I have a lot of people in the medical professional that I know right now, um, medical profession. That's helpful. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been intense with the COVID. I'm I like, bet. I'm yeah. Stay safe. But yeah. yeah. You probably can't see a lot of them right now. Yeah. yeah. Definitely been. Yeah. Well, I do want you to share a little bit more about interstitial cystitis. It's funny because it's my own disease and I, people will ask me, why don't you have an episode on interstitial cystitis? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel funny talking about myself the whole time. So I'm really thankful that you agreed to talk to everyone about it. I'm going to actually kind of skip more to like what your diagnosis with IC was, like what were some of your symptoms leading up to it, kind of timing on all of that. So if anybody were listening and they're trying to identify what's going on in their body, what were your own Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's really hard. And you know, it's a hard thing to be diagnosed with. I think chronic pain in and of itself is such a stigma and such a shameful thing Mm -hmm. initially. Um, And it's a bladder disease, you know, I think that's why I really wanted to talk about it because more people do that, the more it can be recognized, the more it can be, that awareness can be out there because I, you know, I consider myself lucky. It took several months for me to get diagnosed and I've met people who it's taken years. Yeah. That's relatively pretty and a decade. Quick. Yeah. So I'm really lucky, but there was definitely a period where it was very ambiguous with my symptoms and I wasn't mm-hmm. sure what I had. So basically I think when I did fertility treatment is where my body started getting off. Okay. And so that's why I had a hard time differentiating like what was just that and what was like this new yeah. sort of um, illness developing in my body. And so I, my initial symptom, I guess, was like bloating. Weird. And it was just this bloating that like yeah. wouldn't go away. It was just bizarre. I had that too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that was your first symptom. Well, it wasn't my first symptom, but I just remember like throughout the worst years, (laughs) it was just like, I always looked, I couldn't figure out if it was just that I hadn't lost the weight from when I was pregnant or if I just was bloated and looked like I was like, people would be like, oh, you're having another one. I'm like, no. Oh, that's really hard. <laughs> no, I'm I not. I just, just don't ask never. unless you literally look like you're like night, like even then, you even know, then you don't, you just yeah. don't No, But yeah, yeah I remember that really as a symptom. So here. what were some of your other so, kind of bloating? Yeah. So bloating. And so that's what sort of prompted me to go to the doctor mm-hmm. and figure it out. So I went to the OBGYN, they did tests. There was really nothing that came back. I went to a gastroenterologist because I thought it was my gluten intolerance acting up. Mm. Um, and then that didn't really turn out. And then I sort of left it at bay for a bit and I started having new symptoms mm-hmm. that emerged. So then a few months later, so this is like a two year span altogether. I started peeing all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a noticeable difference. I mean, it was like the constant urge. Hour, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, this is different. I mean, I'd always drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I was you know, like, well, I'm really hydrated, but it just, it was weird. Mm-hmm. And then actually now, wait, sorry, backtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, the symptom that a first af- that appeared after the bloating was this non-cyclical pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. So it felt like I had shards of glass, oh. my pelvis cutting it up. Like it was terrible. And it was strange because I remember I've had cramps during my period. That was kind of normal, but yeah. this was like at a sort of, you know, 
Intense. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of my cycle that I shouldn't have been having in a different mm-hmm. foreign kind of pain. Mm-hmm. And so that actually is what prompted me to go see a pelvic pain specialist. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky again, because I'm in the Bay Area where there's a lot of different specialist and he dropped that term interstitial cystitis mm. um, that's the first time i heard of it mm-hmm. and again i kind of been, you know didn't really know what to do because again with the medical there's not a lot of yeah. direction there's not awareness there's not the treatments that are known around it mm-hmm. so you just kind of take away with that mm-hmm. um and then when i started having that frequency that's when i went to my primary care physician right? Because you think maybe it's a UTI. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course the test comes back negative, Negative. Mm -hmm. right? And I was prescribed antibiotics. I said, you know, I think there's a huge advocacy component in your own care that's so important and really needed and hard to do. I'm lucky, you know, I'm married to my CV's physician. I have resources. I have health insurance. I'm a counselor who's used to advocating. But if I didn't have all those things, I, I can't even imagine how long it would have taken. So then it just kept progressing, right? I didn't take the antibiotics. And I think at some point it was Halloween. It was very memorable because it was like a trauma memory, right? Like yeah. it imprints on you. And that's when I started having severe pain. I mean, it was just unbearable. You know, I mean, I've had migraines. I've had knee surgery in the past. I wouldn't consider myself to have in cramps. I wouldn't say to have like a super low pain tolerance, Mm -hmm. but this was insane. You know, I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I think I've actually had it for years and years and years, but it went into remission after I had my kids. So before that I would get what you're describing, or it was just intense pain where I just was like, I need to sit in that bathtub or I need to do something like this hurts so bad. And I think that it's a bladder infection. And I just remember my husband at the time, I was just like crying when I was like, you have to go get me something. Like, I'm just, I don't even know what to do. (laughs) And I just literally just sat in the bathtub and cried. And then eventually it would go away. And then I noticed if I didn't drink coffee or certain things, it would start to feel better. And then that all just like stopped after I had kids until my third. And then, I mean, I've shared my story a little bit. Yeah. Hormonal component, but yeah. So so. what my pain looked like, um, on Halloween, I started actually getting like, it felt like someone lit a match up in there. I mean, it was just burning so intensely. It was just so crazy. It's like an intense burning pain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's awful. And then, um, Oh my God. I think the scariest moment for me Mm. was the shocks Mm. I started to get. So it felt like I was being like, uh, trying to equate it to like being tased or being electrocuted. I never had that. I never had that. Oh man. It was. So describe what that's like shocks everywhere or just shocks in that area. So shocks in your kind of growing pelvic region. Like, I mean, yeah, the burning was insane. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I was just remember lying there and it was like, oh my God, it was just terrible. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I felt like somebody was tasing me. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, literally it was an insane, I mean, I still go back. It, it is, it's like a total trauma. Yeah. Here I am a trauma counselor, right? And mm-hmm. experiencing it from the other side, pain can do that. So we're going to talk about that in a minute, but (laughs) I'm going to use your expertise on trauma counseling on that in just a minute, but yeah. Okay. So you, you what? Yeah. So sorry. Oh, you're going to interject. No. So, um, so you had the intense shocking, the shocks pain. Is that what drove you to get? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think at that point, you know, the pain was just so intense that I had it. And I, I knew that there was just something really, really wrong and off at that point. It became abundantly clear Mm -hmm. and clairvoyant. So that was at least some kind of silver lining because I could finally identify. And I looked it up. I Googled it. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this interstitial societis that I dropped? And there it was, you know, it like completely um, made sense. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of like very active, you know, I, I went to search for support groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that. I went to see the top five specialists that's recommended on the IC network. I was really lucky that again, he was like 40 minutes away from wow. my house. Yeah. So Dr. Christopher Payne is who I saw. His name is um, Dr. Payne. 
Yeah. Which is ironic, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? Um, and it's spelled differently. It's like, but I was just, is this what he wanted? <laughs> what is happening right now? Like, am I dreaming? I mean, but like a nightmare, like pseudo, like parallel. Dr. Pain. Yeah. Did he, did you find him helpful then? I, you know what, again, oh my gosh, Kelly, I was so lucky, right? Yeah. Because okay. he was a top specialist. I and mean, yeah. he, at the time, I was frustrated, right? Yeah. Um, so it was like an hour and a half. He really went into depth. Wow. Um, he hour really and a half. Kind of, he spent a lot of time with Wow. Me. That right there says a lot. It does. Mm -hmm. I was so lucky. So Christopher Payne, if you're out here, look at the top specialists, you know, yeah. I think if you're in some kind of, you and know, there, to it. there are, um, if anyone that's listening that has interstitial cystitis, if you do go to the IC network, they do have a list of specialists. I'll try and link that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go directly yeah. to that, you can seek that out kind of in your area. They are everywhere, but there are yeah. quite a few on the coast. I think there's one in Ohio, but yeah, we'll put that yeah. on there. There are, and I, that's what I recommend you know, instead of being sort of punted through the medical system, because yeah. that can happen and it can really cause a lot of delay. And so, so he spent a lot of time with me and then he didn't do any invasive testing. Like he didn't even look at my bladder, wow. you know, which was, I really respected. Yeah. And he like just did trial medications and like a bladder diary. And that was at first, again, I was like, well, this isn't, you know, like shouldn't we be doing something? But I now see that as, you know, you don't want to do things that are invasive when you're already in pain. Exactly. Mm. And he recommended mindfulness and radical acceptance, <laughs> wow. right? Which is like what I have talked to people about <laughs> in my role as a counselor for years. And so it was sort of this flip side, you know, where I had the opportunity to do those things. And I was mad at the time. Like I was just like, this is, I just want to be it. better. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I just have to I'm deal. Yeah. And I'll be honest, mm -hmm. like at that point, I didn't know if I wanted to live mm -hmm. this life. I wasn't prepared for that. I don't know. It was harder, like the pain, getting the diagnosis or figuring out, I don't know when this will go away, mm -hmm. you know? Let's talk about um, that a little bit then if, if you're willing yeah. to, because I know from our conversations that you used to actually be a crisis phone line operator for suicide. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird because that's actually what sparked my interest in the field. Right. Okay. So this was like 20 years circa back. And, um, I was just at a university studying and somebody came in a class, talked about a crisis opportunity and all issue helpline. And I just thought, well, I'm going to do it. You know, I've always wanted to help people. I connected with a lot of people and I had this call come in, right. With this guy who was in chronic pain. It was a really, it felt like a really hard situation. He was kind of couch surfing, didn't really have a place to live. And I found myself being like, well, what do I say? Or what do mm -hmm. I do? You know? And mm -hmm. I think at the end of it, it sort of was this beautiful transition of just like finding purpose in it, mm -hmm. you know, like, maybe helping other people through it and just visualizing like him, like it's weird cause you're river and quill. And I think it was like this visualization of him, like floating like around, like down a river and like, I don't know, it was just sort of this transition that was made for him. And then I remembered that call and I had that conversation with myself and I was like, okay, like no matter how messy this gets and it's going to get messy, like, you're going to do this. And I had a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want my life to end. I wanted the pain to end. Exactly. And when I cut it, you know, that's sort of what comes up, but I had a very beautiful life. And I just mm -hmm. want that message to be out there for people, for your callers listening to this, that yeah. feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's normal. I think for what you're going through, but you can live a life in pain. And still have a beautiful life. It's possible because I'm doing it, girl. Like I'm flaring right now again. Are you? But I am not in the state that I was in when it initially hit. Mm -hmm. And you know, you get tools, right? Like I got like this tool belt, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and so like I put things out, you know. Like I try like a mindfulness, like breathing, or I try calling someone, or 
I try sometimes just sitting with it, mm-hmm. you know, and just filling all the fillings. And, you know, there's some pain management that I did get on and it really helped me. And there was like a month or so where I really didn't have a lot of pain. I really felt pretty good. That's and good. Pretty normal. Yeah. And I, I didn't visualize that mm-hmm. when I was in the amount of pain. I mean, you get to know your body yeah. well. Yeah. I think that's a good thing about it. You almost I'm too sorry. well sometimes, <laughs> but yeah, you do. Yeah, right? So you, I mean, I think that this is a really this is another reason I was excited to interview you because I think I interview a lot of people who are like in remission or like with my own story, like I don't feel my bladder very often. Like I maybe feel it every once in a while. I'm not saying that to be annoying. Just like, I think that it's important to know that people can be in pain if not continually, you know, intermittently where you you're still, you're in a flare, but you've still been able to kind of get over that hurdle of wanting to end your life. I think is a, yeah. a really good message for people to yeah, hear. Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit more about some of those things that you do? So for like the mindfulness, what did, what would that mean to somebody listening who has never heard mindfulness before? What what would that mean? And what do you yeah, do? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's just sort of sitting with the discomfort and just not having any thoughts attached to it, just kind of letting it flow out with your breath, like really deep breathing. I think we forget how important that is to anchor ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And just feeling in your body, like with that inhale Mm -hmm. and like where that pain is um, and just noticing like an objective awareness kind of, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. just viewing this, you're not having like any judgments or like these thoughts attached to it. If you do, like you're just, you just let it flow out, you know, with your breath. And so it's just a really good way to like anchor and ground. So that's something I did. And radical acceptance, I think it's by Tara Brown. Oh, I love, yep. Mm -hmm. Right? I've I've totally read that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a huge component of that. Like once I started letting go of like what I thought my life was going to be and actually embracing what it was there was freedom in that, you know, there was some liberation in that too, yeah. you know, cause I felt like, Oh, I was going to have kids and I was going to do all, or if I wasn't going to do that, I was going to do all this like traveling and, mm-hmm. or at least not be in pain or whatever. Right. You know? Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that like, it's an easy thing to do. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work and it's an ongoing yeah. process, mm-hmm. but I think that really helped me too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I have so much gratitude now for things that I didn't before. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. think that just develops as a natural process to all of this. Like people in my life, like I let go a lot of toxic energy. Who has time for that? Boundaries with yeah. people. Like you don't, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you gotta let that go. Cause what did that mean? Like if I stressed out about all these things, I was gonna be in more pain. And mm-hmm. so it's like kind of this transition that we talk about with physical illness can be actual crisis that ends up being an opportunity to like emotional wellness and a higher, better way of life. And I mean, I remember like my wife is a little pack rat. <laughs> she <laughs> loves collecting. I love her, but there were just things everywhere. And yeah. I would just get so mad before when mm-hmm. I was like healthy, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote. And I don't, now it's just like, why? Why did I you even know, care? In the scheme of things, yeah. it, it was does not matter. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just, I let go. It's a huge letting go, Mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, that's the cycle and you just, I want to encourage people to try to get out of that. Cause I think, you know, we know like our breath and if we can try to stay calm in our body as much as that's possible, Mm -hmm. it's that parasympathetic nervous system state that regulates and heals. Right. And so when I was doing these tools and methods, like, I noticed a change in my body physically as well. And so that's very much that mind-body connection. I mean, they really do go together. And that's what's not out there, I don't think, in the medical community. And I don't want to put that down. I think they're genuinely people that are trying to help, but I think they just use the tools they have, which is medications and surgery. And sometimes that's needed. And I am on a medication that helped that shocks. Like Elbil was a saving grace for me. So, I mean... I was really opposed at first to trying any medications, but you know, ultimately it was helpful for me to be on. 
but I just, I think it's a balance, right? And just knowing your own body. And I think when you go to your doctor, you know, finding a specialist, but taking what they say and kind of integrating it and figuring out for yourself too, like if that feels right for you, I'd be careful, you know, about a doctor that kind of recommends really invasive stuff right away. Yeah. I had, um, a, uh, cystoscopy, like that was yeah. how, that was how they diagnosed it. And it was like the most painful thing I've ever had. Like I've had three babies and I would have another watermelon sized baby <laughs> oh in comparison to that. Like that was just terrible. So you are very lucky you found somebody. So anyone listening before you rush off and, and there's so many doctors that are going to get it wrong too. I, I went to so many that were just like, well, I don't know. And that was it. So don't stop advocating for yourself. Look for a good doctor. Look for someone who is a specialist if you can. If not, also really helpful. I know you haven't had a lot of success with this though, um, but pelvic floor therapists. Um, yeah. For some people that is really helpful though. Yeah. Especially if like Dr. Payne, I don't know on his website, he breaks it into subtypes, which is really helpful yes. to kind of figure out which you are and to address your treatment accordingly. And so I think pelvic floor dysfunction could be one of them for childbirth or different traumas. Right. And then physical therapy, it helped you then. It did. So yeah. do you remember his four, that might be something that's helpful. I could even look it up here as we're talking. Oh, no, I actually do. Cause well, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I think the first time, the first one is Hunter's lesions, right? right. And so that's okay. like that genetic, you just have the, like the lesions on your bladder. Um, I think that's like 10%, which is a pretty lower percentage of people that have it. And that and think, the pain is higher for that, right? I think so. Okay. From, I would, I'm going to take would, a, like a short little pause and explain okay. the symptoms a little bit more too, in case anyone is listening before we go into the four different causes too. I know it can vary. So that's one thing I think we should really bring up that some people can have yeah. just the, the frequency and no pain. Some people can have pain, no frequency. You can have both, but typically it's um, so pain somewhere in the pelvic region. Men can have it too. Uh, it's not just women, even though it's more prominent in women. It's just that constant. For me, it was sort of like this constant I describe it as the pinchy feeling, which is not on any any symptom on Google, but like it feels like a pinching, like a continual just like pain pinching in your bladder that makes it feel like when you pee, it helps a little bit. And I remember actually as I started to heal, I would actually find relief when I went when I urinated before when it was real bad, I never found relief. So it was just that continual feeling of having to pee. And then kind of going back to like what you were saying about the parasympathetic nervous system, I think I see is a real hard one for people to heal because it's our central nervous system. Like having to urinate is tied to your central nervous system. And so when you get that alert to your brain, I have to pee, it kind of, it does create a little bit of like a, an an urgency, right? Like it's, it literally is urgency. Yeah. So it, it yeah. brings in that panic and that sort of like, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And it never allows your body to get to the parasympathetic where you relax, where you're calm, where healing can happen. So that mindfulness you were talking about is big, but yeah, back to the symptoms. So then so just, yeah, the persistent need to urinate, Sometimes people, it has on here like up to 60 times a day. It can be real intense, yeah. like every five minutes I've heard. Also, another symptom can be like pain during sex. So yeah. people might not even notice it all the time, but more so then. Yeah. So, and again, it can be, those are, those are the typical ones. Yeah. But anybody listening, if you're experiencing any of those symptoms, I'm not saying you have interstitial cystitis. There are lots of different possibilities, but that is something you may want to consider. So yeah. Okay. So and then burning, I know could be burning. So for me, yes. burning. and then the shocks, which is shocks. something that happened to me, yeah. but yeah, it's hard to differentiate because it's like that pelvic region and it's not visible readily. So it's, it is hard to figure yeah. out what's going on. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for like filling in the gaps with that. Oh, <laughs> Just no, I'm... With the symptomology. <laughs> you, um, yeah, okay. yeah. And so, yeah, I think the second type is water trauma mm -hmm. subtype. Okay. And so like, fertility treatments are maybe like mm. related could do that 
The third was like pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's like from childbirth or, you know, any kind of trauma to like a fall yeah. um, could be. So, and then pudendal neuralgia is the fourth one. Okay. So like the nerve, I, there's like a lot of people who are bikers or something and mm-hmm. um, the nerve can kind of just get entrapped and that's what probably causes the shock. So I think I actually have that subtype as well because I was biking a lot before. Uh-huh. Now it's a no-go for a while but still do it somehow. And then the fifth one is like central sensitization. So you were talking about that nervous system. And so anything that calms your nerves down is helpful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I think physical therapy for like pelvic floor neuralgia is helpful, I'm sure. And then for the central sensitization, it's just like mindfulness. I went off caffeine, right? Mm Because that's like a huge Mm -hmm. stimulant. So that was really helpful for me. Yeah. I think that's pretty common too. Like the first thing they'll tell you is stop drinking coffee, which was like, I don't know what was worse, finding out I had a chronic illness or finding out I couldn't drink coffee. Yeah. That list is really painful. And again, I feel Mm. lucky. I'm so lucky with my doctor because he just said like, try to just notice like that mindfulness piece as well as like with your eating, right? Like just notice the connections. Yeah. And yeah, I think like really acidic foods do drive that pain. And Mm -hmm. so it's, but I think there's a balancing there too. Like I do cut it out for a while if I'm flaring or completely, mm-hmm. but then like, I'm not ever going to not have like chocolate or whatever, like in chili. Hello. Like I'm pretty much, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to never. Cause then it's like, it's a balance. Like, I don't want to say, you know, I, I just think like you have to live, you know, like you don't want to, yeah. it's modulating that pain versus like living your life. Exactly. You know, and if I don't do anything that I like ever again, I just feel like my illness wins Mm -hmm. and I'm not down with that, you know? So I'm going to have that occasional splurge, you know? Um, But if I do that all the time, right. Mm -hmm. Then I can really get some intense flaring. And so I think it's that that balancing, yes. you know, that risk assessment, mm-hmm. um, like, is it worth it? Or, you know, if I have something, then maybe the next day, like I'm good. And, you know, I just have Take extra aloe pills. water. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That helps me a lot too. I yeah. think because just those natural methods, you know, I mm-hmm. think the pharmaceutical company, right. It's like whole thing about that, but there's a lot of ways like a bladder builder has really helped me. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a natural, I mean, it's different than Elmeron. But um, mm-hmm. but it's it not, helps build but it the works lining. The same. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't have those side effects. Like I know, mm-hmm. it's there's a lawsuit right now. With and I'm so sorry for anybody who's on that. And I think getting those annual um, ophthalmology exams are good, but mm-hmm. so it's really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I, I've head, I've so. been on Elmeron for years and slowly weaning off of it. Yeah, so do it. the bladder so, builder. I will. I've, I've been taking Cystoprotec, yeah. which is also, if they're finding had something bad in it. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know. I know. So I'm, I will. You know what? That I'm going to, after this interview, I'm going to order some bladder builder and start that instead because I do yeah. really want to get off of all of that stuff. But it helped you though. It did. Yeah. I do. I, it's hard. You know, it's not scientific really when you're doing so many different yeah. treatments to determine yeah. what really caused the healing. Cause I actually, yeah. I, I stopped breastfeeding. So that could have been something too. the hormones shifting, but then I, I did start, yeah. I didn't take the Elmeron until after I was done breastfeeding. So I, who knows? I don't know Yeah, that you can also drive yourself right. crazy trying to figure out the why and the how, and in all the research, it's like, okay, well, is it this or is it this? And, and then that can kind of get you into that. Yeah. <laughs> that panic totally. mode of, I think shoot, yeah. did I, oh no, two nights ago, I might've had a piece of toast that might have had a cranberry in it, you know? Yeah. So I just messed up, you know, it's just like, uh, oh my see, gosh. It's can... just so hard. I mean, I would do that too, like completely. Mm-hmm you know, tailspin out of control. Right. And that's, I think where the mindfulness piece comes into and not like beating yourself up or thinking about the past and just like a new day is like a new intention to kind of reset your efforts. And yeah, cause you can easily, I've got into that mode too, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's just, uh, it's so hard because you don't want to be in the pain. It's nobody wants to be in pain. No, but it's like, you don't want to live your life just 
oh, in that state. Cause I remember just what all of it mm-hmm. was like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it just, it drives the pain even more. Right. Unfortunately, that's what I was learning. Mm-hmm. Like I would just like cry and cry and then that would make it worse. And so at some point when I was able to, to regulate, to do the forgiveness, radical acceptance work, yeah. um, to be mindful in what I was eating, what I was doing, but not like perseverate over yeah. every little thing with it and just try my best. And that's, what- that's when I started noticing a healing emotionally and also physically. Cause I think there's, again, those components go together. 100%. I think something you said about oh, perseverating on it. And one thing, I, if you're listening and you have interstitial cystitis, 100% I support all of the resources online. However, be careful of the forums. Almost every single person, I don't know about you, Jolene, but like every person I talk to that's had IC has gone into the forums and it did not help with <laughs> the feelings of despair. Um, and I kind of... Yeah, it's Go a very ahead. negative. Sorry. No, you're fine. Go. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, there, you know, it's what you find, right, yeah. online when you're desperate and in pain. But I, I do think that there's a, a dialogue around just sort of very, just like negativity. And I get it. I get that. Like, I understand. But it just, it drives the fear even more, mm-hmm. you know, right? And so a huge shift for me was like finding people like like you and, um, following other people who were in pain, who have chronic illness, but are able to sort of, you know, try to live a beautiful life yeah. in pain too, and um, use it as something like, what can you do with that pain? How can you shift that? Right. Mm. So you can shift it into gratitude. You can shift it into um, purpose or, um, and so it's hard. I know like what I'm saying is not, I've been there mm. <laughs> like trying to preach what I teach too. It's, really really you're li- tough you're living it but, yeah but it is possible and I just want people to know that because yeah all of the forums it was just like you know our symptoms or mm-hmm. you want to kill yourself and mm-hmm. this you know I get it but mm-hmm. I'm not saying to not feel those things but I just yeah. don't stay there yeah I think that that's the important part is um acknowledging the grief allowing the grief letting yourself be sad and angry and letting all of those feelings happen as they need to, but staying there, which you can stay there when it's a chronic illness. I mean, you can really stay there for a long time if you're not careful. And and who are we? I mean, I, I can't give anyone a timeline on, okay, this is how much time you should spend on this. Yeah. And this is how much time, because you're going to come back to it. Like I still even have times where I come back and I start to feel sorry for myself where I'm like, great. I why do I have to deal with a chronic illness when nobody else? Why can't I have a freaking Bloody Mary yeah, ever? Totally. <laughs> right. my totally. I mean, I think it's important to honor your process yeah. and feel all those things because it's real, you know, and other yeah. people don't have to. And like, oh, it's so hard. And all the waves that hit, you know, like the anger and mm-hmm. the depression and and I think it's it's just, uh, just honor your process and be like really patient and gentle with like yourself mm. and then trying to do that for people in your life. It's really tough because I think like we're going through all of it. Mm. The people in our lives are going through it too. Like they visualized, you know, being able to do certain things or how life would be. And so it's sort of that parallel process and finding support is key because it's just so hard. Like you're barely able to be there for yourself and then to try to coach other people on how to be there for you. (laughs) It's just insane. I mean, as a counselor and right in psychologist, we had like a hard time. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, There does seem to be a disconnect. So from, it's like you get, you get the diagnosis, and then you're lucky enough that you had a doctor that said, okay, do mindfulness, do these things. But typically, I mean, for me, I got a brochure. It was like a colored brochure that was like, oh, uh, cool. <laughs> it's like, here's the diet. And this, <sighs> and then they were like, and then on the back of it was like, go to these websites. Or no, it was, it was another brochure on interstitial cystitis. And then it was like, here's some websites you can go to. But like, that was it. There was, I, and I'm, 
I really think that every, if you're list, if anyone that is listening to this is a urologist or a gynecologist or someone who works with people who get an IC diagnosis, please, for the love of God, hand them a card for a therapist as well, because they're going to need yeah. that more than they're going to need <laughs> any of the rest of it, honestly. Great. All right. It's that emotional stuff that's so hard yeah. to like get past to, not just like the physical component. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think if that could happen at that appointment, yeah. Oh, that'd be so key. Cause I had to go looking for you, you know, like, thank goodness I found you. You're pretty out there as far as making yourself know. I'm like, go to Cali, you know, <laughs> and eventually maybe I could like, when I kind of get through my process at a certain point, I can be on that other side too and helping people. There's just such a need. You already are. You're already helping people with what you're saying right now. Yeah. yeah. And oh, just thank you so much. Cause it helped me to mm-hmm. like, have you guide me through and like that I'm not alone and like, you know, and just oh, support the pain and mm-hmm. how you kind of went through your own journey of wellness and emotional wellness, but also your struggle and how you can get stuck there. And that's real. And yeah, it's a, it's a really hard thing to f- explain to someone like that, which is why I use the river, you know, like you were saying before, I love that metaphor and that analogy, like that it is a process of letting go, but it doesn't have to be a process of giving up, you know, like, yeah, you let yourself give in, but don't give up. Yeah. That was my motto, like give in so that they don't resist it. Right. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Cause that can make it worse too. Yeah. I love that. Give in, but don't give up. Yeah. And I think I learned that lesson because I'm by the water, the ocean, and I use that as like an analogy a lot, Mm. kind of for problems that I would do for my clients coaching. But now I sort of do that for pain as well. It's like relevant to anything. And I would go surf. I wasn't very good at it. And I didn't do it for the reasons (laughs) that other people seem to, which is to like try to catch as many waves as you can. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be connected to nature and like learn the lessons of being humbled by it. And I did. And like, so when the waves come, they're in sets, right? Mm-hmm. And there could be like 10, three, there could be 20, like you don't know. Um, and you don't know like how they're going to break or when or, you know, where. And so it's hard because each one is different. And so you like prepare differently. I think there's that level of unpredictability. I mean, it's all sort of similar, but it's different, right? You know, just trying to work with it, you know? Sometimes you feel like you're getting caught like in that impact zone too. And you just feel like you're getting pummeled and you just feel like you're drowning. I mean, that's really how it did feel a lot of the times. And in those moments, like in the water, Mm -hmm. I mean, you actually wouldn't have survived if I had resisted that. Right. Mm -hmm. If I had like fought and I just kind of went into it and like let it happen. And then when it was over, I tried to anchor again. Right. Cause eventually I mean, pain isn't stagnant completely, right? There's different levels of intensity usually. Mm-hmm. So it's not always like completely debilitating all the time. And so just knowing that eventually there is that lull, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where like it quiets down and you're, you're not getting that level of intensity mm-hmm. of waves, even if for a while and just doing what you can in that moment to re-anchor, right? And like prepare for the next set and just have gratitude and, um, Hey, I survived. Like, look at me. (laughs) Like, that's amazing that you're surviving this. You're a survivor. I just want to put that out there. Cause sometimes it feels like a victim. Mm. Like why did this happen to me? Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. I just want to shift that. Like you shift anything. Right. And so it's just that, yeah, it does suck, right? Like, it mm-hmm. sucks. This is horrible. This happened to you and all of us, but like, we're survivors and, you know, yeah. we have things to offer too because, like, I have a deeper level of like compassion and sympathy mm, so and I don't judge people anymore. I mean, I used to like think that, you know, if you just set like that people that, that say, like, if you just be more positive or eat well and, <laughs> can you know mm-hmm. get better to a point and I realized oh like it's not that easy mm-hmm. you know and I don't know if you want to talk about like how to s- support like healthy people too yeah like I just wanted to do a little sh- I go that. for it yeah okay because uh, that was a huge struggle yeah for me. And I don't know if it was just me because a lot of the people in my life, although they were supportive, 
they were kind of like doctors and nurses. Like that was just a lot of my people. Mm-hmm. But I think generally people in response, I think a lot of it is like wanting to offer solutions, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it was just like, Hey, you do this. Did you try this diet? Yeah. Did you try this test? Did you try this med? And I think it's well-intended. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just want it to be better as much as you want to be better. Mm-hmm. But I think what we, what I felt like I needed in those moments was just somebody to like, listen Mm -hmm. and believe me. Mm -hmm. I think those are two. And like, if you could get the trifecta going of like actually validating somebody too, that's great. Yeah. That's what I felt like I needed. Cause I mean, I already knew kind of to an extent, like what to do or not to do, or I had a team of professionals that could tell me those things. Mm -hmm. Like I just wanted my wife to be my wife. Then I kind of talked to her about that too, because she went into doctor mode and my mom was a nurse (laughs) and went into that mode. And I did have to tell them like, so I think if anyone is listening to this, who is a supportive person to someone with chronic illness, I think like that would be my advice. And some days maybe we want to talk about it and other days we want to like forget about it (laughs) and just try to resume our lives as normally as we can. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think a lot of times people will say, well, I don't know what to do to help you. And I would always just be like, just ask me, like, you know, yeah. just ask me. Cause some days, like you're saying, some days I want to talk about it and some yeah. days I want to pretend like it's not there. Yeah. So, and that's hard for somebody who's in that supporter role to know, but if you just have that communication or like that, I think just having a discussion like right away, like, okay, this is what yeah. my expectations are of you through this. And maybe it's different for whoever's listening than it is for Jolene and I. But like, um, I think for most people, it's probably, I want to just be able to be, I need a sounding board. I need someone to say, I still love you. And I think maybe that's it too, is like, because you feel like you are this burden when you are with that other person, because you had this expectation of what your life was going to be together. And so just to know, I love, like, just heard, I love you. I'm here for you no matter what. If you get mad, if you get sad, if you're optimistic, if you're pessimistic, I'm by your side, you know? It's almost like wedding vows all over again. Just like unconditional unconditional love. Like, I'm here for you, whatever you need. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I agree. So helpful. Cause it is, I know hard for them too. And yeah. they don't want to see you in pain no. as well. And, and I think it's interesting. Cause I noticed I had a lot of like people in my life that would actually call me when they're in pain <laughs> or, you know, like call me about their pain. <laughs> and at first I would get mad because yeah. I was walking with my, she said something about, you know, our ankle hurting and, Oh, you know, we just have age related pain. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple other friends were like, you know, I have this cramp on my period. And first I would get really mad, yeah. you know, reflexively. I was like, this is not age related pain. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. but I think now looking back, right. Like what were they trying to do? Like they were just really, they don't have a frame of reference yeah. for that. That's them trying to identify it with you and figure it out and help, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's just their, and you don't want them to know what that no pain is like. Yeah, it's it's really impossible to understand it, and any yeah. like you just can't yeah. understand it can't until explain you explain it. Or, yeah, yeah, and it, it like you said, it does give you a lot of compassion from what you have before because you know I I was the same way where I was like, well, just you know think positively and <laughs> and it's gonna be fine and stop complaining all the time. It's like, oh, all right. that's a lot easier to say when you're healthy. You're not in pain every yeah. moment of the day. It really is. And then I think it, it's it's just it is really hard. Um mm-hmm. you have to work for it it's so much harder. But I think when you get that, it means so much more, you know? Like when I get a moment where I'm like, I'm happy or I choose to plug into that. Like, I feel like I feel the intensity just as much as I feel the pain of the happiness even more because I just didn't know what I had, you know, it's one of those things you don't know until you lose it. Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. you have a moment. You're like, this is amazing right now. Like, you know, soak that up in those moments too. Yeah. There was a moment when there were times when I would have just been thrilled to have been able to walk across a room without having pain. like, And I have to yeah. stop myself sometimes now and just be like, okay, why am I upset that my house is a disaster? Like I can clean it 
and it doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> That's a huge yeah. blessing. Is there anything else, like, as from a therapist's point of view, that you know, with your background of mental health, anything else that you would kind of want to address? Things that you would tell someone, or I don't know. Oh gosh, um, yeah, I think just that you're not alone, mm. you know, because I think this can, um, it just feels so isolating, you yeah. know, and you just want to be understood. You just want to be seen and supported. And I think that you're not weak in reaching out for support. Mm. You know, it's actually, I think a sign of strength. And I don't think that, you know, is something you have to go through completely alone, right? Like, you're doing this. I plan to do this. Other people are doing this. I kind of reach out, you know, and get that, that coaching and that support. And it's okay to not be okay though, too. You know, I think that's important Mm -hmm. to, um, just feel all the feelings and totally, you know, get mental health therapy, right? (laughs) Mental health. Yeah. Counseling doesn't really help me too. Right. I mean, when I got back into therapy as, you know, a therapist, I think that's so like, again, I, I kind of went through the whole process and that I had talked to clients with and I know how hard it is. I also really know how helpful it is. Mm-hmm. So I have so much gratitude for that even more. So now our professions, right? Yeah. Like how needed. Yeah. So that's that huge. Is. So like therapy, I do offer coaching. <laughs> I'll put some of the details for how you can get that at the end. Um, but and yes, reaching out for those. Let's say that somebody is um, is suicidal. Where should they go? What would you recommend um, if they're having those thoughts right now? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I think if people are willing to reach out to crisis line, I mean, that some people are feels like that's something they would do, and some people I know that might feel hard. Yeah. Um, but they are like trained paraprofessionals and, you know, they just are trained to listen. And like, if, cause I know there were times that like things would come up at like two in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you probably can post that, but like that 888-273 talk. Um, yeah. and then just sharing it with a couple of people, like that you really trust. You don't want people to worry about mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. but you want to make sure you have a few people, you know, that you can actually talk to and be honest with about that. And again, with a therapist, Uh you know, and I think just normalizing that that's something that may come up and for someone who's in chronic pain, you know, Uh because you, you do want that pain to end, but, um, for sure. That is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think honoring it, you know, Uh it's, yeah. Like, I just want to emphasize the importance of like, feeling that and then that's okay and that's real and then allowing that permission and reaching out when you need it um but also like feeling like that's not your fate mm. so I, I just want to put those two together because when i did the crisis work like it was very much about like listening and feeling that reason that you don't want to go on but then it was also just as much as like eventually there's like that shifts right mm-hmm. like the reasons that you're still here and being that survivor and those good things in your life and there's still that beauty and like holding the beauty and the pain walking those things together but um yeah because I will say if you can get through a chronic illness if you can just get to a point of mental health (laughs) in a chronic illness, you can pretty much do anything. Like you are a superhero warrior champion. (laughs) You (laughs) have experienced your chronic illness and still have your sanity. Like that survivor mentality is huge. I love that you bring that up because victim, it's okay. It's okay to feel sad and out everything that we said, but if you can find that sense of empowerment too. And it, the pain like you were saying, it's not always going to be as severe for some people, for a very rare few of them. And you will find all of those rare few on the boards, mm-hmm. on those forums. You're going to find them there, but they do not represent the majority of people yeah. with these illnesses. I'll say that most of the people that I know personally that have interstitial cystitis have gotten to a point, and it's taken years, but um, have gotten to a point where they are in remission some of the time where you'll go 
even years in remission, or maybe it'll be a couple of weeks or a couple months or whatever, but you do get to a point where your body regulates itself. Um, and I think that that's more common than it is uncommon. So if you do have interstitial cystitis, if you do have pain or any chronic illness, really hold on to that hope because it can happen, but, but not to the point where you're waking up every day and saying, damn it, I'm not healed again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No? Yeah, right. It is. Yeah. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss what's right yeah. in front of your face right now. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I just accentuate that too. Like if you've been through chronic illness, you can go through anything. Cause this yeah. is like a big, a big yeah. one too. And, um, you know, I went through like infertility and divorce and a lot of hard things and move all those things together. Like didn't even hold a flame to it. So it's like, yeah. really <laughs> you do this? You're like super strong and all these like empowered. I, so that's what I did. I started following people that had a hard life or had pain, but we're also like using it as a tool for empowerment. And there's so many figures, right? Like female leaders like Harriet Tubman mm. and Rowan Free and Claire Wineland. Oh my mm. God. If you listen to her, she's got like some speeches and a TED talk. She had cystic fibrosis and okay. she's just amazing. She really became this inspirational speaker. But and all the people on your podcast as well. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so find those people and like find yes. that hope you know? Oh, I loved that. Out there. So thank you. Thanks. You were such an integral part of my emotional <laughs> healing process. It's ongoing, but it's so helpful. That makes me very, very happy to hear. Thank you. And I love that it's come full circle and now you're here to help other people yeah. on my podcast. Yes. So look at that. Yes. The beauty, it happens, I right? Know. connections. I love the connections that I'm building. Yes. Beautiful. Okay. Well, we're going to end this okay. with some rapid fire questions. Okay. Just to, you know, lighten the mood. So yeah, I mean. <laughs> for sure. It's on a good note. <laughs> um, I think it ended on a good note anyway. Yeah. Number one, is Britney Spears a clone? <laughs> oh my goodness. I think so. You do? <laughs> I don't know. I, I saw her actually in Vegas. Did you really? Show. Yeah, and it was really cool, but she like, you know, lip syncs, right? Yeah. So it was like, and then and I, I remember her dancing being the same. Like I remember it being, I don't know. <laughs> so like, did they just interject? Cause she was doing so well, you know? And yeah. So they just made a robot clone of her. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I haven't looked into it enough. I just know that that's a big topic right now. So is it? Yeah. I would ask you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know if you get that too. Like people have said before, like any blonde broad celebrity you look like. So that was one of them that came up. There were some other ones like Britney <laughs> People ask you if you have a sister. I'm like, no. So I don't know if you've gotten that. For Britney Spears? Yeah, that you look like really or some other blonde oh. celebrity. No, I got um Cameron Diaz once. Okay, which was like yeah. the biggest compliment of my life. Yeah. So if anyone yeah. ever wants to compare me to Cameron Diaz again, go ahead. I will <laughs> buy you lots of chocolate. Okay. Um, what is anchoring you right now? Oh, goodness. Oh my goodness. A lot of things. I kind of live for like my animals. I love animals. I love nature. Mm. My breath is like actually physically anchoring me. Mm. Um, the people in my life, you know, and um, yeah. I love all that. of it. What is yeah. making what is making you fly right now? This might be sort of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think those similar things, mm -hmm. right? It's just like that driving force that mm -hmm. keeps you going, like and yeah. like helping people and like animals has always been my driving passion and the driving force for me in life. I love that. Yeah. Um, chunky peanut butter or smooth. Oh wait, but I wanted to go back. I do love to travel. Oh. And when I'm allowed to, even if I'm paying whatever, I'll do it again. And if I have to like get up and, you know, go to the back of the plane or, you know, help be like a flight attendant, whatever, like it's not going to. I think you need totally to plan a trip, at least in your head. Plan a yeah, trip. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think we all yeah. should do that. Let's all do that. Agree. Let's Agree. plan a dream trip. Everyone go into Airbnb. Yeah. And where would you go? Yeah. Well, for me right now, I just, I've been telling people this. I just want to escape to an island for like a week by myself. Yeah. Nobody else just with like books, a journal, my computer, and just like yeah. be 
that's what I want. That would be amazing. <laughs> there are some islands we can get to. Okay. But anyway, yeah, I went I to um yeah, New Zealand was like oh yeah, um, really cool. And they actually have like a sky lounge thing for people with IC too. Like it's almost the same cost as the economy. You can lie down. What? Yeah. Do you have to pay more for it? And it's not super it. comfortable. It's still like economy. It's like four hundred extra dollars, which is a chunk. But if you're going but it's to not New like Zealand, first class, right? Yeah. Expense. And so yeah, so that's just cool. finding this little thing. Well, I didn't know that. That's good for yeah. everyone to know. It's hard. Is it called? Do you just say I have? Oh, I think it's New Zealand Air. Okay. There are certain airlines or locations it. that'll have that. It's like a sky lounge. Mm-hmm. You fold it sky out, lounge. and you can okay. like lie down. So you're that not sitting. Is- Awesome. Very yeah. good to know. Okay. Now with chunky peanut butter or smooth. <laughs> oh, um, depends on what it is for. I think smooth. Yeah. Okay, good. Smooth, I mean, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, like, There's no right peanuts. answer. There's no right answer. I know, right? Uh, if you're going to have, I would just say peanuts. Just go with peanuts. peanuts. I don't know. That's probably yeah. better. There's no sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have five minutes to live. What do you do? Who do you call? What do you say? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So interesting, right? I think people in my, like the people I love, like, I just like, I love you. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you were like in my life. But I think also like a minute of just like my own life and just yeah. like what that's been. Um, I would like to say something like crazy, like mm-hmm. skydive. like too like afraid to do but you know your life's gonna end anyway do it without a shoot yeah dying (laughs) you might as well (laughs) like go out you know doing something brave and amazing that you may not otherwise do there you go (laughs) it's someone you care about but yeah I mean I think if you're literally like not able to do that right it's just just thinking about your life you know and and loving the people calling reaching out to the people telling you about them, right? I love that. It's funny because I've asked this maybe like the last four or five podcast guests and every single person says the same thing, Yeah, which tells you what's actually important. Yeah. I love that. Okay, Jolene. Well, um, we are done, but I would love to give anyone listening points of contact to if they wanted to reach out to you, where should they go? Yeah. So... That is a really good question. Mm-hmm. I can definitely generate information for you to put on the site. Yeah, we I can have just... like an Instagram page. Yeah, I think okay. it's Jolene Jensen. You can find me, follow me on um, Facebook, you know, so I could be that other person that, you know, just says that can help guide you. And I'm actually planning on sort of posting more about my journey and my process as well. Um, so you can look forward to that. Um, yeah. I'll for sure share that too. And then I'll put the links to your contact information then at the bottom yeah. of the show notes. Yeah. So you can find yeah. Jolene there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and everybody for, for listening. I hope it's helpful. Okay. And you're not alone. You're, <laughs> you have people. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Not alone. Well, thank you so much, friend. I appreciate yeah. you being here and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today, friend. I really hope you enjoyed the topic and hearing from my friend Jolene. If you have any questions, if you yourself are thinking about suicide, have any thoughts that you may want to take your own life or you may want to hurt yourself, I urge you to please call this number, 1-800-273-8255. It's 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, the same one that Jolene used to work on. And you can also just chat. There's a button. If you Google suicide prevention, you can click a button to chat if you're not comfortable talking with someone on the phone. Um, Also, if you are interested in coaching, Jolene was one of my first clients and I am now branching out my business to be able to take on more clients. So if you're listening to this and it sounds like something you would like to do, head on over to my webpage that shows all of the different packages. I will link it at the bottom of the show notes here. Also, you can get a free resource that I have available 
That's four weeks to reclaiming your identity after chronic illness. When I do the coaching, I have you download that document and we go into depth in it together. So if coaching is something you're considering and you're just not sure, download that document first and see if it's something you might be interested in. So thanks again for being here today. Again, if you have any sort of thoughts that you may want to take your own life trust me i get it the pain can be so bad that that seems like the only answer but i promise you friend it is not and i've said this before and i'll say it again chronic illness is just part of your story it's a plot twist it's not the end of your story okay thanks again for being here and remember to live your life chronically well (laughs) 